From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Roy Vickers, New Britain Mutual, Johnny. Hi, Roy. How'd you like to try some Creole cooking? Okay, what's up? One of the bellhops at the St. Agnes Hotel in New Orleans had quite a time last night. He opened the safe and walked out with $7,500 in cash and a diamond necklace worth a cool $25,000. So help me, Roy. I didn't know bellhops had so much fun. That isn't all. He also stole a station wagon belonging to the hotel manager, not to mention the manager's wife. What do you want back? Mainly that necklace. It's the property of one of our clients. She was stopping at the St. Agnes and had it stowed in the hotel safe. Any line on the bellhop? Not a trace so far. The wife? Don't be funny. Can you hop a plane down there and see what's happened for us? Sure, Roy. Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the New Britain Mutual Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Valentine matter. Expense account item one, $175.00. Airfare and the incidental cost it takes to get from Hartford to New Orleans. Once there, I was more than surprised to discover the police had wound up the whole case. The prodigal bellhop, along with the 7500 in cash, the diamond necklace, the station wagon, even the manager's wife, had all been recovered. Everything and everyone tearful, but intact. I reported this development to all parties concerned, phoned the airport for a reservation back to Hartford, which they said would be the following afternoon, and then looked around for something to do. I found a spot on Burgundy Street that seemed to be less crowded than the others and settled down for the evening. That's where it happened. He was sitting alone, tall, gray-haired, rugged. A face full of some 50-odd years, I guessed, and full of some other things no one could guess. It was three drinks at the bar before I made out who he was, who he had been. A man who was once big, in a way that only prohibition made them big. This seat taken? No. Mind if I sit down, Mr. Valentine? Well, you can't be that old. How old? Old enough to recognize me. Recognize you from your picture. Long time ago. Time. Hmm. I guess I could tell you more about that than anybody. You a cop? No, I'm an insurance investigator. You were a cop once? Once. Can I buy you a drink, Mr. Valentine? Dan's enough. Sure. You're doing better than the boys in the force. I've been living in New Orleans for three months now. Nobody's called on me. Any reason why they should? No. No, there isn't. But then no one's ever figured out a way to stop a policeman from making a visit when he wants to. <laughs> That's true. That's a funny thing. There's a lot of policemen I've liked in my day. Visiting policemen. That is, on certain days. You're too young to remember much about it, Dollar, but a long time ago, a bunch of old women made a law called the uh, Balstead Act. Sure. Prohibition. Everybody heard about it. Including the old women who passed the law. You see, this law was supposed to be for the other guy, not for them. Anyhow, a lot of people started bottling up violations of this Balstead Act. You tired? No, not a bit, Dan. Well, I got me a lot of money and a lot of trouble. Thirteen years for income tax evasion, finally. 
Ended just three months ago when I came here to live happily ever after. Funny. No. New Orleans is a nice, quiet place to live. Better still, no one's bothering you. That's the way I want to keep it. And I can pass a thousand stupid laws, and I'm not going to fall for any of them. Everything the book says, everything in order. How's that sound? Pretty good. Do you believe it? Yes, I do. Then I've got my point over. I'm flattered that you recognize me, Dollar. I paid back ten days for every one I took. Now, all I ask is that you don't ask the police to bother me. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, Dan, you didn't even have the dinner I'm about to buy for you. Dollar, it's nice to come out of prison and be recognized by a nice guy. Where we go, Jimmy Moran's? That's where we went, and it was a swell dinner. Only Dan Valentine didn't eat much of it. He tried to smile and crack wise, but there was a sadness about him that stood in the way. I wanted to ask him more questions about those days back when, but I didn't. We dropped into a couple of other places. The Absinthe House, Joe Glorioso's. We listened to some jazz and drank Sazeracs and walked along Canal Street. Finally, we shook hands and said goodnight. Expense account item two, $26.26. Hotel, board, and miscellaneous. The next morning, I packed my bags, checked out of my hotel, and was about to take a limousine out to Mobileye Airport. Oh, uh, Mr. Dollar? Yeah. A message for you. Oh, thanks. It was from a police officer on the New Orleans force, an inspector DeBaca. Could I drop by before I left town? I went right over and met DeBaca, a tall, lean, gray-haired man with 30 years' service who kind of puzzled me at first. Thanks for coming by, Donna. Sure. Sit down. What's up? The bellhop take back his confession on that necklace theft? No, no. This is something else, Donna. Dan Valentine. Oh. You met him about 6.30 last night. You had two drinks with him, and you went over to Moran's and had dinner. You went to two other places. You left him at 11.30. Yeah, I also brushed my teeth when I got back to the hotel, but I bet you can't tell me what color my pajamas are. Now, take it easy. Just take it easy. Maybe I'm saying this bad. He doesn't know it, but we've been keeping an eye on Danny ever since he showed up in New Orleans. Just so happened you were with him last night, and you did business with us here yesterday afternoon. So? We want to know if you had any business with Dan Valentine. Don't be funny, Inspector. Okay, okay, now don't get huffy. Let me put it this way. Dan came to New Orleans three months ago, bought a house out in Jefferson Parish. He hired a housekeeper, bought himself a little car, took up fishing every afternoon or just walking. Nothing wrong with that? No, of course there isn't. We liked it fine. The boys in the car drive by now and then to look at him. Just look. No questions, no knocking on the door. When we see Danny in town, we turn the other way. Just look, you see? Sure. Now, he doesn't have any visitors. No old pals from Chicago or New York or Detroit come to see him. He lives alone. And he likes it. That's what he told me. You're his first visitor. Now, I just wondered. You wondered wrong, DeBaca. Okay, okay. I had to ask about it. You know how it is. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Right on cue. Your pal just stopped a couple of bullets. Huh? Danny Valentine. Come on. According to the uniformed officer who had put in the call, a newspaper boy had found Valentine lying on the sidewalk and roused the neighborhood. One of the residents had carried him inside. 
The ambulance crew stood by the bed as we came in. Valentine was lying on his back, the white chenille spread under him, changing to a deep red. Two bullets had ripped ragged holes in one shoulder through flesh and bone. But he was just as self-contained as ever. I got the idea you were going to stay out of trouble, Dan. I didn't know I was in any trouble. Are you, Dollar? Okay. You went to the police after all? No. The inspector called me in. About you, Dan, but let's forget that for now. How'd this happen? This? Cleaning my gun. You're a loser, Dan. You're not supposed to have a gun. Oh, you know me and the law. We sometimes didn't hit it off. Odd, where is the gun? What gun? The gun you were cleaning when you were walking down the street and shot yourself. I swallowed it. Now, look. Somebody's taken a couple of shots at you, Dan. Nobody can tell us anything about it but you so far. We don't want you murdered. Well? Okay, boys. Get the ambulance back. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're hurt. You're going to the police hospital. No, no. I've served my time and I'm clean. Being shot at even in this state doesn't make you a criminal. Dollar. Yeah, Dan. Do me a favor. Would you phone a private hospital and have me taken there? Go ahead, Johnny. Take it easy, Dan. I did as he asked. A crew from one of the large private hospitals was out there in a matter of minutes. And an hour and a half later, Dan Valentine was operated on and the bullet successfully removed from his shoulder. I waited around until he was taken to a private room and Inspector DeBaca waited with me. Dollar? Yeah? Why don't you go back to Hartford? This isn't any of your business. I know. My plane takes off at four. I'll be on it. Why are you waiting around here? Oh, to see how he is, I guess. Your pal of yours? I just met him last night. You know that. But you're waiting around? Yeah. You want me to tell you why you're waiting around? You want to make sure he's okay. You met him last night, and outside of what you ever read or heard about him, you don't know him from a load of coal. But you want to make sure he's going to be all right. Well, so do I. Because in that room and on that bed lies quite a man. Well, that about summed it up. No matter what he had been or what he had done, Dan Valentine was quite a man. It was the same thing that had caused me to go over to him the night before and start a conversation. The same thing that caused me to believe his plans for living a quiet life in New Orleans. He came out of the anesthetic a half hour later and he sent for me. Hi. Hi. They say it's going to be okay. Oh, sure, sure. This is nothing. I just wanted to thank you for giving me a hand. DeBaca could probably help you more. All you have to do is tell him who shot you and why. I shot myself, and just for something to do. Look, Dan, I have a fair idea of how tough things were for you and how tough they can be now. But Inspector DeBaca understands it, too. He'll do everything he can to help you, but you have to help him, Dan. DeBaca's a good boy. You're right. You'll tell him who shot you? If there was any way he could help me, I'd let him know first. I'll handle this myself. Guess you'll want to be getting your airplane. Yeah. Good luck, kiddo. Same to you. I went back to my hotel, picked up my bags, and took a cab to Mobilant Airport. My plane had developed engine trouble, and there was going to be a five-hour delay. I killed time at the bar and in the restaurant and just standing around looking at the field at night. By that time, the newspapers carried the story of the attempt on Dan Valentine's life. It was as skimpy as the story Dan had told himself, and it troubled me. 
Uh, Mr. Dollar. Yeah. Long distance call for you from Hartford. Uh, you can take it right in there. Oh, thanks. Johnny Dollar. Roy Vickers, Johnny, at New Britain Mutual. Glad I caught you. Just waiting for my plane back to Hartford now. The story about Dan Valentine's and all the papers up here. Have you read it? Yeah, I was in on it, in a way. Somebody shot at him today. He won't tell who. Says he'll handle it himself. Can you find out, Johnny? Well, I don't know. Why? We carry a $50,000 policy on him. Somebody's trying to kill him. We'd like to know all about it. You mean I can stay here and work on this? Yes. Okay, Roy. There'll be another intriguing episode in our story of the Valentine matter tomorrow. Tomorrow, all the King's men that could be the New Orleans police force try to keep one man alive. And they almost do it. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for another exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. This is Charlie DeBaca down at headquarters. You left a call for me? That's right, Inspector. But you went back to Hartford. What now? The company I represent happens to hold an insurance policy on Dan Valentine. They asked me to stay here in New Orleans and look into this attempt on his life. How'd they hear about it so fast? Well, it was in all the papers and on the wire services. Valentine's always been news, ever since Prohibition. Yeah, God. As much as I do, Dollar, no lead yet. He's still quiet about the whole thing? Just like a mouse who won't open up, except to say he'll take care of it himself. Maybe it'll help matters when he finds out the insurance company's interested. You know something? What? I don't think me, you, the whole force, the insurance company, or anybody else can keep that bird alive unless he helps us. <laughs> Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. 
Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the New Britain Mutual Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Valentine matter. Expense account continued. Item three, three bucks. One telegram to Roy Vickers in Hartford requesting a copy of the policy contracts between New Britain Mutual and Dan Valentine. Plus the name and location of the beneficiary and any other data on the case. After that, I walked over to the police station and looked up Inspector DeBaca. Sit down. Thanks. I don't quite get this, Dollar. What's your part? Well, the insurance company would like a full report on everything that's happened, that's all. You could give them that on the back of your thumbnail, couldn't you? Not quite, Inspector. Oh, you mean a separate report from what we have? Something like that, yes. Well, it's their do. They can spend it any way they want to, I guess. If there's any reason for them canceling the policy on Valentine, they'll do it. The fact that somebody shot at him a couple of times and came near killing him is one thing. The fact that he won't open his mouth about it is another. They're looking for a way out? I didn't say that. They just want to make sure about everything, that's all. An insurance policy is a contract, mutually beneficial to both parties. Both parties have to keep the line of that contract. They don't figure Danny Valentine's running around shooting himself insurance money. <sighs> Inspector, they don't figure anything. Well, now that you've been official, be unofficial. What's your idea? Well, Valentine's got a legitimate policy with the company. They don't want to see him kill. They tell me to investigate the shooting. Actually, they're telling me to see to it that he stays alive and well. Well, that makes sense. Good luck. If you'll sort of let me tag along on the case, I'd appreciate it. Well, we'll see. Well, what's the matter now? It just occurred to me, Valentine bought a house out in Jefferson Parish three months ago, a couple of days after he was released from a federal pen. He's lived there quiet, minding his own business, keeping his nose out of trouble. Yeah. Well, as long as a man does that, even a man with a background like Valentine's, as long as a man does that, we don't bother him, and he doesn't bother us. Well, so? So what happens? Yesterday, you meet him and have a couple of drinks with him. Hello, goodbye, boom, boom, he gets shot twice. By somebody, somewhere. You a bad news boy? Now, that's as wild as you can get. We had nothing together except the drinks. You sure? I'm sure. Well, I'm thinking about it just the same. Here. Be back in a minute. The bulky, thick folder Inspector DeBaca shoved across the desk at me was marked Valentine Daniel. It started in 1915 and was fat with yellowed clippings all the way through 1942. It was a pretty good history of Dan Valentine and the age he lived in. He was born in Ireland and had fought in the Irish Rebellion. He was regarded as both hero and scoundrel. For his own good, he came to America. Somehow, he started out in the wholesale drug business. And understandably, it was an easy step to making prohibition alcohol. And an even easier step to make prison on an income tax evasion charge. The folder mentioned a wife and a daughter who seemed to have successfully avoided most of the newspaper headlines that had involved Dan Valentine. There was one picture of Mrs. Valentine taken in 1928. That's about as far as I got when DeBaca came back into the room, not alone. Interesting stuff? Very, Inspector, very. Well, here's something more interesting. My men have been covering the neighborhood where the shooting happened yesterday afternoon. This man's a witness. This is Mr. Dollar. He's an insurance investigator. It's Willie Blakely. Oh, how, how do you do, sir? Hope you can help us, Willie. Well, I can try, hmm? 
I, I really didn't see too much. See, I was on my milk truck, and I saw this fellow, this, this big fellow, walking down the street. Uh, what's his name? Dan Valentine. Yes, sir. Well, he was just walking, like for an early morning walk, and then I saw this car come around the corner, and there were a couple of men in it. What kind of car? I think it was a Buick sedan. I'm not sure. It was a black car. You happen to get the license number? No. All right, go on. Well, sir, this Mr. Valentine, he looked up when he saw it coming, and he stopped. You know, kind of funny? No, I don't know. Tell me. You know, like he was surprised. Do you think he was surprised at who was in the car? Yes, sir, that's it. He, he sort of smiled. Not a hello kind of a smile. Hmm. Sort of a sad smile. Didn't wave, just stood there. I couldn't see the men in the car by then, so I don't know how they were looking at him. Did you see them as they rounded the corner? Yeah, just a couple of fellas, dark coats and hats. Would you know them if you saw them again? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so, Captain. Okay, two men. Yes, sir. So this, this Mr. Valentine stopped and, and looked at him and, and gave him this kind of smile. He recognized him, you think? Oh, yeah. And then I heard a noise, you know, something like whack, whack. And Mr. Valentine fell down and a car drove off. Did Valentine go for a gun? No, sir. What did you do then? Well, I got out of there. Why? I didn't know what was happening. I didn't want to get hurt. You didn't even try to help him? No, sir. I was scared. I didn't know what that whack-whack was, sir. It took you all this time to tell us about it. Sorry, Captain. Uh, darling. Yeah? You got something to worry about. Hmm? That noise he was talking about didn't sound like regular gunshots, or he would have said so. Silence, sir. What else? <laughs> Inspector DeBaca continued to question the witness, trying to ascertain more details about the shooting, the car, and the men inside the car. Four hours later, when I left, he was still at it. Some more expenses, item four, two dollars and a half, cab fare from police station to hospital. I thought I'd drop in and take a chance on Dan Valentine coming across with some information. Sorry, no visitors. It's pretty important. I'm a friend of his. I'm sorry. When can I see him? It's hard to say. Mr. Valentine's condition is not too good. What? Well, nothing to be alarmed about. He lost so much blood that he's in a weakened condition. The doctor's ordered a transfusion. Oh. You can phone in later if you like. Excuse me. Yes, ma'am? I should like to see Mr. Valentine, please. I'm sorry. I was just telling this gentleman that's impossible. How is he? He needs rest. The doctor feels he'd be better off without visitors at the moment. Thank you. I had a feeling about the gray-haired, well-dressed woman, and I hurried after her down the long corridor outside the hospital. I was just in time to see her take a cab that had been waiting at the curb. I managed to hail one myself, and we tagged along Canal Street behind her until she paid off the driver in front of the Roosevelt Hotel. I was right behind her when she stopped in the lobby and got a key to room 1016. I gave her five minutes, then I knocked on her door. Yes? Hello, Mrs. Valentine. My name's Johnny Dollar. Ann Valentine looked at me for a long time. I had to hand it to her. There were no tears, no frowns or screams. Just a wide, frank look from a woman who, by any man's standards, had once been beautiful. I haven't been called by that name for many years. You're a reporter, of course. No, I'm not. I'm an insurance investigator. In a policeman's office today, I saw one of the few pictures ever taken of you. 
At this hotel, I'm registered under the name of Ann Ward. Ward is good enough for me, Mrs. Valentine. May I come in? Yes. Now, what is it you want, Mr. Dollar? Possibly the same thing you want. To keep your husband alive. I believe that's up to the doctors, isn't it? Not quite. If he was shot at once and he won't help the police find out who did it, there's a reasonable chance he'll be shot at again. Do you know who did it? Well, who it might be. Look, the police have found a witness who describes two men as having done the shooting. Can you add anything to that? Mr. Dollar, I haven't seen Dan in over 13 years. I haven't written to him, talked to him, or contacted him in any way, either while he was in prison or these last few months he's been out. I see. It was his idea. But he must have had a reason. He did. Our daughter. Oh. She believes that Ward was her dead father's name. Do I make myself clear? Yeah. I read about the shooting. I caught the first plane here because I thought I might help Dan. My daughter thinks I'm on a little vacation by myself. You don't believe me, do you? Well, in view of what you've just said about not having written to him for 13 years... That was the way he wanted it. I was never ashamed of Dan, never. He was ashamed of himself and how his activities might affect us. He gave me everything I ever had out of life. In New Salem, that's where we live, and live very well because Dan saw to that part of it before he went to prison. We are considered very proper people, Teresa and myself. Dan sacrificed a great deal for that consideration. I think that you've sacrificed a great deal yourself, Mrs. Valentine. When I go back to the hospital to see him tonight, he'll probably tell me to pack my bag and go home, that there's nothing to worry about. But there is something to worry about, isn't there, Mrs. Valentine? He won't talk about it, and you won't talk about it, and both of you know all about it. Oh, Mr. Dollar, you're a very young man. I'm sorry if I sound like I could help you. I can't. Please go. I went back to my hotel and had some dinner. Then after a while, I put in a phone call to the hospital and found out I could talk to Dan Valentine between 7.30 and 9. About then, a special delivery came for me. It contained the information I wanted regarding the policy on Dan Valentine. I noticed that the beneficiary was a dual affair, wife and daughter, Anne and Teresa Ward. I had to check with Inspector DeBaca just once more. No luck. He had been unable to identify or locate the two killers described by the witness. He was trying to trace the car. 7.30 on the dot, I was at the hospital. The reception desk seemed reluctant to talk and referred me to the head nurse who happened to be out to dinner, who referred me to the surgical nurse who took me aside and told me to find a crystal ball. Mr. Valentine's gone. We have no idea where. How could he be gone? We started to give him a transfusion. He jumped up suddenly, knocked down one of the male nurses, grabbed his clothes and ran out of the hospital. Just as simple as that. I thought he was in a serious condition. Shh, keep your voice down. He was in a serious condition. And it's going to be critical pretty soon. Running around town, bleeding from two bullet wounds... If you want to keep him alive, Mr. Dollar, you better find him and find him fast. I thought over what Dan Valentine had told me in the hospital earlier about taking care of the matter himself. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized he was going to do just that, even if it killed him. There'll be another intriguing episode in our story of the Valentine matter tomorrow. Tomorrow, 
What happens to a 30-year-old grudge when somebody explains it with bullets? Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for another exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking. Ha, ha, ha.